Thought this would be a, a great way to kick off the show. Mark is someone who's got bags and bags and bags of experience with property and just kind of been an expat in general as well. So thought it would be a great one to, to kick things off with. Um, we actually never got into a lot of stuff that I would I would like to have, have done. I'm sure we can maybe do that as a, in a second episode down the line. Um, some of Mark's stuff that he does out with his, his property and his, and his day job. Um, but yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy and uh, get in touch, leave a comment. Let me know what you think, if it was if it was any good or not. Uh, always good to know that. And uh, yeah, without further ado. Um, yeah, welcome, I guess, Mark. Welcome to the, uh, to the to this new podcast we're doing. Um, Thank you very much. No problem at all. So good to obviously have you on, um, just to give anyone listening out there a bit of a kind of background. Um, obviously, Mark, Mark and I have been speaking for... Man, it feels feels like quite a long time now. I see, I see maybe November last year, Mark. Is that about Indeed. when did you say? Indeed, yeah. And I basically wanted to set up something where I, I could kind of tell the stories of people that I, I come across on a you know weekly basis, um, expats that are out you know working across the Middle East and some of them in the Far East. Um, they all have you know one kind of commonality, and that's that they they, they buy property while they're overseas. Um, but rather than have anything that's kind of you know structured or um, you know forced in any way, just have a kind of open chat, um, share a bit of your experience, share a bit of what you've done, what you've you know went through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. And that's when when kind of your your uh, your name came to mind. So I'll not steal any of the thunder, but I think Mark's quite an interesting guy. Um, as oh, far I wouldn't as... say that. It's <laughs> very very uh, modest as well as as far as he's. Both his property stuff, his career, and and some stuff that he does, um, shall we say, extracurricular, which I'm sure we'll get into, mate. So, yeah, I mean, Mark, tell us what what how long have you been working abroad now? I've I've now been in Saudi a total of eight years now. I'm in my eighth year, and mm-hmm. prior to that, I did two years in Qatar. So, in the Middle East, I've been here ten years. But I've worked overseas in Europe and in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. probably another two, two and a half years on, on top of that. Wow. Okay. So that's a total of? Twelve, twelve and a half years. Twelve and a half years then. Wow. Give it and, a take. And it, yeah. And out of, out of that time then, where's, where's been the place? I mean, you're probably going to say Saudi now because that's where you are. But where, where have you enjoyed kind of the most as, as an expat? Where have I enjoyed most as an expat? Um, probably enjoyment was Qatar, right? Um, okay. Although, although it's very much a one-horse town, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it was fun. I mean, Saudi. Um, I tend to people who come to Saudi tend to come to Saudi not for personal enjoyment. They come here yeah. for, let's say, capital growth. <laughs> the big bucks. Yeah, the big bucks. <laughs> the big bucks. I, I always joke with people. that live in Saudi and then look at uh, going to places like Dubai. In Mm. Saudi, you have the opportunity to save 80% of what you earn because you only spend 20%. And Dubai is the total opposite. And (laughs) you're lucky lucky to be able to save 20% of what you earn. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, how much do you attribute that to the fact that you can't really pop down and get a pint like you can, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from, oh, it's you know, I mean, it's, it's starting to, to change a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um, the social side and opportunities to spend money are definitely increasing yep. at the yep. moment. Um, and say, I, I think that's only going to increase with time. But say, it's, it's definitely lack, lack of places to spend your cash mm-hmm. in Saudi, or certainly has been. Yeah, and and would would you say the last couple of years um, seems to the floodgates have kind of opened? Would you say then is that is that quite accurate? Yes, since since the change of monarchy, and right. and and the rise to prominence of um, a certain crown prince, um, mm-hmm. he is definitely pushing through an awful lot of changes. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them very noticeable, but there's quite a lot underneath that that 
probably anyone outside Saudi don't really know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but say there's 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 a huge change that's gone on in in the last couple of years. Yeah, for the better, obviously. Yeah, to, to kind of bring it in line with with you know the yeah, rest of the Middle um, East. I think I think they've kind of re- realized in Saudi that you can be a very good Muslim country, but mm-hmm. still have a little bit of bit of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems from obviously from my end of things, I, I speak to a lot of guys that are that are over there, and it just seems like we're on the brink of something with Saudi. Um, yeah. You know, certainly when you look at some of the projects, I mean, you're whereabouts are you, Mark? You Riyadh? Um, no, no, I'm about 130 kilometres north of Jeddah, in a place right. of called King Abdullah Economic City. Ah, of course. So you are, yeah, of course. So yeah. you're. You, you're up there, and would you say that, um, you know, I, I looked a couple of weeks back and I was looking at a project that's called Neom. I take it you're, you're well aware of that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, why, why don't you get a, what what what'd you, what'd you make on Neom? What's it all about? Neom is, ex- is, is very exciting. I mean, it's a mm. huge project with some fantastic goals yeah. and seems to be amply supported. Um, it's a bit crazy at the moment. I mean, several of the people that used to work here in Cake have moved to the Neom team. Okay. Um, but say once again, it's it's another indication of Saudi looking looking to grow. I mean, yeah. as I said, it, it's it's a fantastic opportunity. I, I it's the actual project itself. I, I thought mine was big. Uh, uh, my project, King Abdullah Economic City, is the size of Washington DC. But Jesus. we we are probably well, Neom's probably two and a half to three times the size of of my project. So it's 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 really amazing, and and they've got some some fantastic uh, goals like being a hundred hundred percent sustainable. I mean, whether or not those are achievable. That's that's what the technical team have have got a challenge on, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely amazing to have those type of goals and potentially the funding to achieve those if they are possible. So uh, yeah, yeah it, it is it is interesting. Uh, it's very very much so. It's, it's fascinating times, um, you know, particularly in this in this day and age. And you you look around. For someone like yourself that's that's been around the Middle East, um, you know, obviously a big stint in Qatar, um, and then obviously Saudi just mm. now. Would you what what was it about the and I, you kind of touched on it earlier about it being a one horse town? I'm, I'm assuming you were obviously in Doha. Um, what was it about kind of life in Doha that that kind of made you you know enjoy that more than say Saudi at, at this point? Um, in in Doha, there was a very established expat scene. Mm. Um, I was lucky. I, I basically got to live in a five-star hotel for two years. No, we're talking. <laughs> all expenses paid. Oh. But uh, I had an awful lot of friends and got invited to an awful lot of events outside. And, and it, it was fantastic. There was a very open environment. Obviously, mm. expats, you could buy alcohol and, 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 and things like that for consumption in your own premises. So you could you could have some really good parties, and I tend to find expats seem to be all of a similar type of character. <laughs> you you've 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 taken the plunge. You've gone out into the big wide world, yeah, uh, and you're trying to make the most of your life, and that includes the social side. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, it's. Coming to Dubai, I was first here in 2012, I think, 2012, 2013. Just an eye-opener, really. Uh, obviously, Dubai is the, you know, the kind of main one out here for, for expats, I think. Doha is probably in line with it now. Um, but, yeah, very, very Western, just very not what you think, right? Like, when, yeah. you, when you, you're back home, you just you don't think it's, it's going to be anything like what it is. It's just like being in, I was going to say Glasgow there, but let's be honest, Mark, it's not like being in Glasgow, is it? Uh, I don't know Glasgow that well, unfortunately. Uh, my, 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 I think I explained to you my one and only trip to Glasgow was in my student days, which was a few years ago. And my friend said, if anyone taps you on the shoulder, duck when you turn round. 
<laughs> uh, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they're probably going to try and hit you. Yes, um, yeah. But uh, I mean, it, 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 that was that was totally false, and he was joking with me. Oh, of course, but uh, of course. say that was that was that was Glasgow about thirty-five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you, um, when you but... were probably only a twinkle in your in your daddy's eye. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mate. exactly. So I mean, for 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 um for you, I know obviously you're talking a lot about you've been an expat. What was what? How did you kind of start out as far as your your own career then back in back in the UK? My own career. Well, I'm a civil engineer. Um, mm-hmm. I left school and joined a firm of contractors, mm-hmm. um, Robert McAlpine. Okay. And I, I worked in the contracting industry for um, about 12 years, um, initially right. working direct as a normal employee. Mm-hmm. Then I branched out as self-employed. During, during that time, I developed my education. Um, I became a chartered engineer. Then after 12, 13 years running around on cold, wet construction sites, I thought there must be something better in, the, in this world. And I tried my hand at consulting engineering and right. went in as a, as a fairly junior level, um, but with a, with a view. And, uh, and that's how I started. I started with a medium-sized company in um, Bristol. Okay. And which is, I've, which... I've kind of grown since since then. And is that, is that where, where does it actually grow up? Is it Bristol you grew up? Uh, no, I grew up in South Wales, a place called Caldicott. But unfortunately, I was born in Essex. So technically, I am an Essex boy. <laughs> Don't sound anything like uh, an Essex boy. That's, you, yeah. you, you've, you've not been blessed with the accent. Of course, the <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, but uh, being coming from Essex is something I, I rarely admit in public. <laughs> We've just particularly it around <laughs> around English Englishmen because you get. I think I've probably heard all the Essex jokes by now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny actually you say that. I've got a, there's a new start in the office. It's from Essex, and it's it's taking me a bit of a bit of time to get that language barrier. She doesn't have a clue what I'm saying. And uh, I'm, I'm struggling as well on the other end. So, um, well, it's a bit like I'm sure you. I'm sure you've probably heard a few Scottish jokes, and oh, how tightly you tend to hold on to your uh, wallets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's definitely, it's definitely got a ring of truth to it. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave it there, mate. But um, no, I, I mean, obviously, obviously, you you know, start starting out in the UK, um, you know, get getting going with your career and stuff. How how long is it, how long was it before you? got your first property oh i got my first property when i was contracting right that was when i was around 23 Mm -hmm. um i was self-employed and i worked on an amazing project um, for the british mod where i basically lived on site for well i did for eight months right I, i worked on site seven days a week 14 hours a day Jesus. And obviously being self-employed at the end of that time, I ended up with a nice wedge of cash. And when I came out, I was kind of like looking looking at this wonderful bundle of money sat in my account thinking, what the hell do I do, do with this? Uh, most of my mates were saying, you can have an amazing holiday on that. Hmm. Um, but probably <laughs> the best piece of advice that I, I've been given, and it set me for the rest of my life, was why don't you sink it into property? Which is, which is what I did. Mm. Um, I basically did a deal with my parents where I, I purchased the, the other half of their house because, because they said, well, ultimately, when they retired, they were going to give me 50%. Mm-hmm. So there was another 50% equity going to my sister. Okay. And I, I basically passed, passed the money to my sister. So she, she had the benefit. I had the benefit. And also, hopefully, it was taking the house out of reach of the tax man as well. Ah, with you now. With you mm-hmm. now. So that's, that's the first one, and that's how you, you first got started that was, probably. That was kind of where, where it started off. Um, and say, from, from there, obviously, it, is, it was very nice because you went through a fairly big boom period where I was looking at, my savings account which wasn't really accruing that much 
mm-hmm. and I was looking at the, the f- paper profit that yep. the house the, ha- the house was having, mm-hmm. and obviously that was that was massive compared to the bank. Uh, so all all the spare cash I had, I basically um, invested in in a property. Mm-hmm. I started with another house um, on on a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically grow, grown from there to what it is today. Yeah, and we'll definitely we'll definitely come on to that what that to, today's um, portfolio in a minute there. But when you first when you first bought that property, I mean that that piece of advice, you know, God knows where you would have went if you if you if you never got that. Um, oh, you know, you I'd, have, I'd I'd have probably spent it on on beer, wine, women, <laughs> and song. Let's say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, you're 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 not the only one. There's there's plenty of uh, you know plenty of us that have probably done the same thing. Um, but you know, you you went that path. You went. Do you know what? I'm going to take this advice. I'm going to get on the the ladder while I'm young. Twenty threes. You know, even by today's standards, um, you know that's that's extremely young. And I and I take it back then was was that pretty much the same, or were more people buying it like kind of young young ages back then? Well, it was it was the time home. Home ownership was was getting quite popular, mm-hmm. um, and 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 seemed to be a, a good way to in invest your money. Mm-hmm. But say, obviously, when you're young, I mean, young and dumb, uh, you you tend to spend it rather rather than look look to save it. So yeah, I I was quite lucky that I ended up with a large lump of cash sat sat in my hand, and I decided, thankfully. That I wanted to save it rather rather than spend it. Yeah, yeah, extremely. I mean, dur- during that period of time, then, like over the first few years, how what were the what point in the cycle were we kind of at with properties? Were they were they kind of skyrocketing up in value? They were they were skyrocketing up. I mean, it, it was kind of a uh, you you couldn't lose. I mean, mm. it was it was it was a time when in, in endowment mortgages were being sold left, right, That's and right. centre. Because yep. because the financial advisors were always telling you that you're going to make a mint at, at the end of it. Yeah. Um, none of, none of them told you <laughs> that, that actually the, the markets can fail and you can end up with a massive negative equity. But yeah. uh, so so to anyone that doesn't know, an endowment mortgage is basically uh, it's almost like a kind of life insurance policy, is it? That that's supposed to match exactly what your what your mortgage would be. In say twenty five years time, and then when that matures, you just clear the mortgage with the endowment policy. Is that is that pretty much? I'm a, I'm a almost sort there. of yeah, yeah yeah. You're 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 basically month to month only paying off the interest mm-hmm. of the initial loan, and you take out a financial product that you hope at the end of the end of the term is going to have at least as much as you require to pay off the original loan. Mm-hmm. If not, I the bet is. You hope the financial markets are going to do very well, so you end up with a profit at the end of it. So you get some more, rather than what I did. I did a simple repayment mortgage, mm. which is which is quite boring, but it, it, it's it's a hundred percent safe. Yeah, where you basically pay back a loan over over a period of time. Yeah, so the, so the people that took the endowment route, I guess they would have been saving you know some cash on a monthly basis then. Well, that was the idea. Right, that's, that's the that's, concept. That, Got that, that's how how they were being sold. Mm-hmm. That you would you would pay your in, your your premiums, yep. and at the end of it, you would have a nice bonus. Got you. But that that was on the assumption that the markets would 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 still be positive. No one was foreseeing the 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 turbulence. Crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and... which 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 is a is a bit of a roller coaster, yeah. um, even even for myself, where you suddenly see the value. Well, uh, the value of of your houses, and you have to remember that it's only on paper. The value right. of your houses tumble. Yeah, um, and it is exactly like a roller coaster because those values do recover. Yes, it, it, it's only a short term problem mm-hmm. but yeah. if you i mean if you're stuck with with your property you can end up in a horrible negative equity situation where your loan is worth uh, is valued more than the than your house 
yeah and you can and you can get stuck yep yep and that and i guess those those people kind of learn the hard way and and you don't <laughs> i don't know anyone that's got an endowment you know policy these days um i think no. everyone was quite quite badly born but you again seem to seem to do the right thing um you seem as, as this goes on i'm sure people will kind of learn that you, you've you've kind of done that your your whole your whole career if you like your whole investing I've career i've played safe yeah but I've, you've i've played safe you I'm, have yeah i don't i don't go for maximum profit yep i go for a relatively easy and safe life mm-hmm. yeah exactly Whereas, uh, and, and also, I've been lucky in the fact that my property portfolio has been based solely for capital growth. Mm-hmm. It's never been used for for income. Yeah, you you've never had to live off it. Basically, you've always no. no. Yeah, and and I kind of want to I want to really get into that because I think that's a great you know perspective for anyone that's that's not seen what what we're kind of about to go into. But I mean, you've you've just gone back to that first property. You've bought that. That's the property you're living in at this time. Um, uh, yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. I was living, living with my parents, as most uh, mid mid twenties people seem seem to do. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> uh, most people can't can't afford to branch out on their own. Of Plus, course. also the work that I was doing, mm-hmm. being being an engineer, I was going here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, having having my own house probably would have been a liability for me personally at the yeah. time so i i was i was i was living off off the back of my mum and dad perhaps at that at that stage so you you bought the property while you were still living with mum and dad and then yeah rented it out straight away no well uh, no i the, the initial property was basically my uh, my mother and fathers, and they were they were paying a peppercorn rent. We got you. I'm we you. we had we, we had to have a contract for tax reasons and, and stuff like that. So they were paying a peppercorn rent, but it it, it one it enabled me to raise money yep. for my next property. Once 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 I'd pulled together some money for the next deposit, yep, I was able to use the first property to leverage the yep. the mortgage. Yeah. And use it as collateral, which enabled me to get a better mortgage rate than someone going to the market first time. Yeah. So even even in your, you know, basically relatively inexperienced property, you know, career at that stage, I guess, what gave you what gave you that kind of, you know, insight to to you know, because most people wouldn't wouldn't know or wouldn't think to do that to use a property as collateral to secure another you know, loan at a better rate to then acquire number two. That was... Well, it's, it's, it's just, just the industry I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm working in, in construction. Mm. I have worked with most of the major house builders in, yep. the, in the UK and, and developers. So you, you get to understand how it works, how, how, how you can finance things, how, how you can optimize things to, to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, perhaps I had a... a a little bit of extra extra help there, yeah. being, being in in the industry that I am. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, number number two, then. I mean, is this now? Is this now the one you're living in, or is this is this to the rental market? This one? Oh no, this is this 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 was just brought to brought brought to let. Got you, got you. So this um, is your, your I, first I didn't, one. I didn't actually buy a house for myself. Oh, until I was in my forties. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, just because you're a bit of a road warrior, then is that? Is that kinda... I, well, it's it's the industry that that, that I'm in. I've mm. always followed the work. Got you. Um, as I said, I was living in South Wales. Um, when when I finished contracting, I mm-hmm. moved to a firm of engineers in Bristol. Yep. Um, but and say that 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 is probably the most sedentary that I I've been mm-hmm. um, because I worked for them for eight years. Then, when the downturn in the industry happened, um, I ended up getting an opportunity to work in London. Um, so city. I upped it and went to the big city. Yeah, the big um, smoke. I was, yeah, I I don't know why people love the big city. I think they're horrible, but it was it was it was a source of, of employment, and I was and I still carried on living in South Wales. I used to catch the early morning train Jeez. on a mon- on a Monday morning. Uh-huh. 
Um, you would catch me at half past five on Newport Station. There you go. Uh, catching the train up, and I'd catch a train home on Friday night and stay in a okay. relatively cheap hotel in London. Yeah, yeah, mate, I've, I've heard a lot of guys doing that back in the day. Um, I, I guess was that the kind of a lot of the boys for your neck of the woods were they all sort of doing that, going in for going in for work and then coming back? Um, well, not not to London, Wales. Wales tends to be a slightly strange place. Um, where people people want the ideal, they want to to live and work within five or ten miles of their house and and all and all, and all the rest of it, and have the happy family life. Um, because I used to get an awful lot of phone calls from 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 friends and friends and colleagues saying, "Oh, Mark, you've got a job. Can you get me a job?" I go, "Yeah, yeah, no, no problem." And then and, and then you get this 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 list of requirements oh it needs to be it's within 10 be. miles of my house <laughs> i've got to be on like 50 grand a year it's got to come with with health insurance i was there going whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, no you're gonna to have to jump on a train and come up to london and then it's like well why can't you as i said they don't exist anymore because at that time the construction industry was in decline in most of the uk mm-hmm. and london was a bit of a bubble because yeah. when I was in London, I wasn't working. I was working on very few UK projects. Everything I was doing was overseas. Right. Okay. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. Because so that's the that's the start of your kind of you know overseas type work then yeah. when you first moved to London. Yeah. Yeah. Say so I I went to London, and the projects that I was mainly involved in were all overseas. Um, very few were in were in the UK. I I did work on a few in the UK. Um, I did the McLaren Production Centre, where they build all the new McLarens. Okay. Um, and I've worked on 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 other projects in in and around London, but um, most of what I was doing was overseas. Whereabouts um, overseas? All over. Yeah. Literally, um, quite a lot in the Middle East. Right, um, but I did some work in the Philippines, New Zealand, Africa, uh, literally all all over the planet. Not not necessarily visiting. Yeah, a yeah. lot of it was just working out of out of the London office. Got you. But um, yeah, you you ended up working wherever because a lot of work was being given to UK consultants, and those consultants were based based in London. That that's why the consultancy market was still very buoyant in London, where the rest of the construction industry and the consultancy industry was on its knees in mm-hmm. in most of the rest of the UK. Yeah, no, it makes it makes makes a ton of sense actually, um, and that's quite it's quite interesting in the way that the way that worked. You know, initially that's your kind of initial voyage into to what essentially set you up to go and become a an expert, basically. Um, that yeah. initial work in London. So I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And I mean, obviously during this time, you're now in London. You're now on the big bucks, and yeah. uh, <laughs> you're now you're now buying properties for fun, right? You're just flying through them two a week or whatever you were doing back then. Uh, I, I wouldn't <laughs> say two a week, but um, I, I ended I, I ended up with basically a formula. Uh, as I said, the uh, I ended up going to London quite quite late in life. I already built up quite a few. Before, before I left, and the the property game it is it, basically got its own little formula. Yeah, it sits there, it generates money, um, and when there's a certain amount of money sat in the business, it's time to look for the, for something else. Um, yeah. and you just add to the portfolio. So it's 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 a bit like a, a self perpetuating machine after a while. Yeah, and this is this is one point I kind of wanted to get into. Um, as long as obviously you're you're happy kind of talking about it, Mark, is that Mark's probably at the end of the spectrum where it's he's he's a professional. Uh, you could always call yourself a professional property investor. You 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 had the nail on the head there when you said business. You know, it's, I just say lucky. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, what what's what I found really interesting when we, Mark and I first started speaking, um, he sent me across. You know, he he, he kind of said, Ryan, I'm going to send you across some of the stuff I've got at the moment. Um, I want you to have a look. 
um, and it'll give you some perspective when we when we go ahead and chat. So I thought to myself, right, okay, I'll go and have a look. I'll see what he's got. Um, and when the list came through, I, I remember thinking to myself, there's no way he's got that much property. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way he's got that much. Um, and it's and it's literally it's not you know it's it's as Mark said it's it's a system, it's a, a process that that just basically self generates its itself. Um, and and is now to to the point where Mark, I mean, you know, on a monthly basis, what would you say your your input is to your your current portfolio? What how much time do you spend on it? What monthly? Yeah, like well, zero. Well, monthly, yeah. Um, I I only review my property portfolio because I have quite a good team behind me now that I've developed o- over time. Looking at it, I only tend to look at it about two or three times a year yeah um normally around christmas time and mm-hmm. unfortunately when it's when it's t- time to do the tax return um which 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 we all have to do but say it's it's entirely managed um the day-to-day running is managed by an estate agent yeah um who over the years I've, I've got to know very very well they've given me an excellent service i do pay them probably more than some do mm-hmm. but i'm paying that extra for no no headaches they yep. they manage the properties very well i rarely have an issue they just they just deal with it which yep. i'm very very happy with yeah yeah and that's and you're, you're you've hit the nail on the head there it's like particularly when you you know you went overseas i know you had already built up a, a handful when you were you were based in the uk but when you go overseas i mean how how important has that team been for you over over the you know the last couple of decades now? It, it, I had to have it because you you can't manage it remotely. Yep. Stuff stuff happens. Um, tenants break window handles. The central heating breaks. All all the rest of this stuff. Mm. And and you unless unless you want to have phone calls all hours of the day and night. With with moans and groans about leaky roofs and that, you you really do need a support structure in place, and I've yep. been very happy to pay for that. Where yep. I'm I'm not dealing with it. Um, we we have an agreement on how much money they can spend on on repairs before before they contact me, and it, it, wor- it works very well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say that it's it's almost the point where. You, you guys have basically became, you know, a master of this this strategy. What I found interesting, and I'm forgetting that we're, you know, we're speaking to other people who might be listening in here, is that all of Mark Mark's properties in the UK are, you know, and uh, what what mile radius would you say? Um, they're within about a fifteen mile radius of Newport. Fifteen mile radius, and the strategy has pretty much been for, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, pretty much for all of them has been buy them relatively cheap, do them up a bit, get a bit of, uh, build a bit of equity in there with the renovations and then turn them over onto the rental market and just yeah. let, let, let them let them rent out. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the, the, the doing them up, the initial doing them up started after I had about four or five properties. Right. Because by then I had a I had a team of contractors behind me mm-hmm. um, that I knew, I trusted, yep. um, and and it was it was actually after I'd done the flat conversions because that that required quite a lot of of my time. Oh yeah, um, where I was able to secure a property with planning permission to convert it in, into flats, which which is a construction project I did. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I actually had to manage that myself. Yeah. Um, that was probably where I've been most involved. Yeah, I was going um, to Where, where I, I basically gave up the day job, um, went and managed the flat conversions. But say, after, after that, I had the team, I had the team of um, contractors um, available to me, and that enabled me to leverage the extra in in buying probably substandard properties and doing them up to a relatively high standard because what i've found um in in my experience at any rate is 
if if you do a property to a good a good standard, um, one they 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 last longer, and tenants seem to respect them better. Yes. I mean, whether or not you can leverage better rents, uh, maybe maybe not, mm-hmm. but say um, the the longevity and the need between refreshes is is greatly extended. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you kind of know from from what we do, you know, and, and my own portfolio myself. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of of quality. So obviously, you guys get tremendous uplift. Um, just given your as as you've said, your your team and your background yourself personally, that that you can do quite. Uh, you know, I actually think that it's quite challenging to. You know, to get that right, and I'm sure you guys have had tons of, you know, you've probably got tons of stories where stuff's went wrong and, you know, oh, yes. pipes have burst and, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. T- talk about that. What's, what's the craziest thing that's that's kind of happened in your in your portfolio? The craziest thing that's happened? Oof. Um, I've had people fall fall through ceilings. That, uh, that's been... interesting conversations um one guy tried to fix the roof on his own and and it collapsed um that was an interesting phone call the estate agent actually had to phone me up on that um but uh, loads of stuff can happen yeah i'm there's nothing stranger than people and they do do put a random spin on things and uh, yes, there are things that get thrown in your way, mm. and it's totally random as as to what it is, and some of it can be weird and wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we had we had a problem with a tenant where the cat got stuck in the cavity. That was that was quite funny because 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 you Not basically had cat. to take down <laughs> we had to take down a wall, and no, it wasn't plasterboard to Jesus. extract Kitty from the cavity. <laughs> um, various stuff like that. It 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 happens, and you just got to roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's that's one of the things where you know, with your strategy, with your kind of buying older properties, um, you know, and 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 getting into the kind of meat of them, and you know, doing them up and stuff. You do you do come across all sorts of stuff. I guess it keeps it interesting. Um, but yeah, it all comes back to you know, you've been able to to execute that well. Given the fact that you've got boots on the ground, you've got that. Um, mm. And and one thing I would say, I mean, it's kind of when when we started chatting, um, you know, the fact that you, you know, you've got that team is is it's a kind of double edged sword. Yes, you can execute it very well, but it's also you know kept you in that little area, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, your your properties have have probably done very well from a growth perspective, right? Yep, yep, they've done well. And and it's like it's one it's one of those things. I mean, you you said it right at the start when you started talking about properties that you set them up purely for capital growth, and yeah. and I think that's probably one of the most important things. Like it, you know, when you're first starting out, know know what it is that you want to do. Um, can, can can you know can't stress that enough. It, Mark Mark's blessed and and obviously been in the industry, been in construction, and you know knowing you know, the partners that he does have back home, he can actually go ahead and, and do these these types of things, you know, talking there about conversions and renovations and, and all that's fantastic. But it's, it comes back to, to Mark's initial goal. What do I want to do, right? How am I going to go ahead and do that? What do I know? Who do I have around me? Um, and been able to do that from Saudi is uh, it's pretty good going, Mark, if I, if I do say so myself. Well, I mean, the, the other the other thing is, is don't forget, I don't have... Basic, basically UK pensions. Yeah. My my property portfolio is my pe- my pension. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've seen it from an early stage, being being the pension. So the money that I've contributed is the same as most people might contribute to their to their pension funds. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Because because um, particularly oh around the two thousand eight two thousand nine. Where where we saw the financial crash, yep. a lot of my friends at the time were coming up to retirement age, and I and I saw them got got hit double. Um, one one the value of their pension funds basically halved over, overnight, and then and then the, the the next moment when they went to buy their annuities, they were like only sixty percent of what of what you were previously getting. 
So I tended to stay away from financial products. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're bad for everyone, but say what, what I see is banks and finance houses tend to have their own interests mm. up front ra- rather than yours. I tend to like, call me a control freak. I like to be in control. Yep. Um, this is this is why all, all my properties are freehold, yep. um, ra- rather than lease leasehold, yep. which is causing uh, you you a bit of a headache. <laughs> yeah, me trying to mark something that's freehold. He's not yeah, interested because <laughs> you were trying to sell me something that wasn't freehold. Um, well, no, it, as I said, it's just just a control thing, and it's yep. the devil devil that you know. If I have freehold on something, it's entirely mine. And, and I can do do with it what I want, and the costs going forward are more predictable. Mm. I'm not saying that landlords do increase their, uh, their 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 maintenance charges exponentially over time, but it can happen. Mm. Um, and I really don't don't want the risk. I want a fairly trouble trouble and stress free life because I'm I'm remote. I don't have time to deal with all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Their stress-free life couldn't couldn't agree more. And and the fact that you know you've you you've got a a, a story now that I, I come across certainly. Obviously, I'm the exact same myself. You know, I worked in the UK for about um, you know six, seven, nearly six, yeah, but seven seven and a bit years. And, and my pension is worth I don't know about eight eight thousand pounds or something, if that. So I'm kind of in the same boat as yourself where you know my, my properties are my pension and I, I actually think that more and more people are coming around to that way of thinking that hang on a minute here um, you know the, the final salary pensions and you know these things mm-hmm. are fewer you know few and far between nowadays um, and, and that's kind of choices you've got you know you either build up property portfolio or you know you build up your 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 stocks and shares and and I think that's that's pretty much it <laughs> you know unless uh, well, you're... and also and also going going back to control you're you're not um, stuck with with pension rules like if you Great if point. you want to go and emigrate say you want to go and live in Portugal or Spain or somewhere suddenly there aren't a load of rules that cut back what pension you're actually going to get mm. which is which is what you get with with government pensions, yeah, um, you are much more in control, and you're not forced into buying annuities and stuff like that. So, absolutely, it, the cash the cash is yours to do with what you want. It just gets painful when you when you want to liquidate stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, so when 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 was the last time? Obviously, Mark's built up, built a substantial portfolio, right? When when was the last time that you had to put your own cash in like i mean your your portfolio is in a way now where it pretty much just buys itself you know number X yeah but no i put one. i i put all my spare cash in into the businesses ah right because okay. and, and i continue doing that i obviously doing what i'm doing and working where i'm working um i've got a very good salary mm. i'm not spending an awful lot yeah. i have a modest existence I do not live um, the typical expat lifestyle. Um, so the money is going back into the properties. Yep. So it's, it's effectively my, my savings. So yep. it goes back in. It pays off any, any mortgages that, that, that I, or, or any finance that I have on the properties. So I'm, I'm reducing my, my costs all, all the time. Yeah, it's just increasing your your equity and your your cash yeah. flow basically by by doing yeah. that. Um, I, I say my my houses in the UK, I mm-hmm. own well the houses and the flats. Uh, between them, I I own eighty five percent. There's only fifteen percent sat in finance. Yeah, and is is that deliberate, Mark? I was one thing I was going to take yeah. on to my next point is, have you have you been you know I, I, I this is probably my most talked about point when I talk to people about leverage. And how, you know, if as long as you don't take the piss effectively 
um, it can be one of your, you know, your greatest allies when you're building up, right? Not not so much when you're at your level where, you know, you're you're maybe in the next what ten years or so, fifteen years, going to start. You know, you're probably not knowing you, Mark. You'll probably keep going and and just continue this thing forever. But you know, most people, let's say in your situation, would you know, in the next, you know, five, 10 years, look to be drawn down that income and living off it, right? So at that stage, you don't really want, you know, a lot of mortgages. You, you would rather have them, you know, much lower loan to values, etc. Yeah. So Yeah, you'll, is, you'll, you'll pay, off, pay off the mortgages. Yep. So you own you own your, your properties 100% outright. Yeah. I mean, will I carry on going? I probably will, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> I know you will. Well, no, seriously, I, I've taken financial advice recently about mm. what to do for retirement. Um, and it seems to be that the, be- the best thing to do is just live off, off the income that they're generating. Yeah. Because, I mean, as I've told you, I want to retire to the Philippines yep. where the cost of living is incredibly low um, once, once you've brought your property. Which, mm. which which I have, so I can I can live a very very good life on a very modest income, yeah. where I don't have to liquidate the properties because if I liquidated the properties, that could be very painful financially for me. Yeah. One one because if you're selling, it's you'll you'll lose lose the the overall value of the property there, um, and and then when then you get hit with capital gains. And all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's quite painful, and it actually kind of challenge channels you into carrying on with 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 the property portfolio. Don't like how some of the regulations seem to be going in the UK. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's okay up until now. What happens in the future? Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but um, say my plan at the, the moment, um, as I'm heading towards retirement, say I'm 53, 54 now, um, would be to keep the properties, keep keep the business going as it as it is, mm-hmm. but the difference being is start start drawing off the business, and yeah. instead of automatically reinvesting everything, look look to take an income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and at the stage you're at, you know, you're only fifteen percent leveraged. It's it's you know, it's not far away from being like fully maximized as far as the cash flow is concerned. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, it's not as if you've got a ton of ton of uh, mortgages still left there. I mean, see for your portfolio then, have you is every single property you've acquired have you held on to? Have you have you ever bought and sold? Never never bought and sold. I've always held on to them. I love that. That's like so even the see the first one you bought. Your mum and dad, do you still own that today? Yeah, my mother's still living in it. <laughs> there you go. You're your longest tenant ever. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's one of... They, they'd read some horror stories where the houses had been given to, to, to kids and they'd kick their parents out. So uh, one, of, <laughs> one of the stipulations of me buying their house was that they had an iron ironclad contract that they could live in there until their dying day <laughs> as if you do that Mark come on I wouldn't and I really can't even even fathom why anyone would but nothing stranger than folk uh, um, and it and it was a requirement and I I have no issue. I mean, it's something you you got to do legally, at any rate. Of course, you have to you have to have a have a lease contract, and it has to be for a reasonable rent. Now, what you do with the with the rental income is is a different kettle of fish. Yes, you might course. employ employ your mother in some fictitious role within the company <laughs> and pay her her her, her tax free salary. Which which might equate to the rent that you're getting. It might. So effectively, she's living rent free. But I obviously <laughs> didn't say that because that no, would be tax avoidance. You, yeah, of course. You, you definitely never said that. Um, for anyone no. listening, for any if the tax man's listening, Mark never said that. That did not. Yeah, as I never there. said that. <laughs> only, only allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. No. I mean, fa- fantastic. I mean, from your 
for your early days to, to the stage you're at now, um, you, you know, you've, you've got a hell of a lot done. And I like the fact that you said there, you know, it's really, it's all stemmed out of, out of necessity, really. Um, worked for yourself a lot of the time, worked as a contractor, so never really had, you know, the big fat final salary, uh, which I'm sure, I'm sure many of your friends probably did, you know, work for companies all their days and end up with this, um, you know, final salary, you know, 30 odd year company pension that, you know, was, was basically heralded, wasn't it? Back, back in the day, that was, that was what people did. You know, they went and well, just... It's, it's funny, the, the, the only company that ever, ever had a final pension salary scheme was the first one that I worked for. Oh, after, no way. after the first one, every company after that, it was not. It was not a final final salary scheme. Yeah, it was um, one I've got. The, the DC, isn't it? The the you put in some, they put in some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've got. And listen, you know, nothing wrong with that. There's obviously advantages. You know, this isn't about knocking pensions, right? Obviously, there is advantages to having, you know, pensions. Um, yeah. Certainly, my my mum. Everything, that... everything, everything is. Everyone has got to decide for themselves. Oh, of it's, course. Yeah. It's it's a safer route to go because potentially um, the property could have all come tumble, tumbling down around my ears. Correct. Literally and 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 metaphorically. Correct. Um, but <laughs> I've been, as I said at the beginning, I'm very lucky in the fact that I've been quite successful at it. Yeah, and yeah, and I think the big, big um, you know, thing about your success is the fact that you've. You've done one strategy and you've just executed it very simply. I think in the, in the modern day, there's there's a ton of stuff going around. You know, you see these people doing the HMOs. Certainly, you know, you get a lot of that uh, in London. You get a lot of that in Dubai in these cities where it's all the room shares. And, yeah. um, you know, you see people doing nowadays, which is very, very new, which is the Airbnb, you know, the service yeah. departments. That's, again, there's people doing that. Um, but you've, you know, you've never chased the shiny object. You've pretty much just went, "This works. Let's do this more." Yeah. So yeah, I've never, I've never been greedy. Um, I try, I try and give a quality project product for a reasonable rent. Yep. Um, and say I pay all my supporting services. Let's let's call them reasonable amounts of money. Yep. I'm I'm not I'm not looking to go to the cheap end. Um, because then I get, I get, I feel I get looked after. Yeah. Um, because obviously the money's there to spend the time mm -hmm. to to invest in looking after me and doing and, and doing whatever is required properly, rather than if you if you go cheap, there tends to be consequences. Yeah. Because you might not get everything that you're you're anticipating. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You would you would rather you know you'd rather pay extra and make sure that. You know you're well looked after. That's that's why you're 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 you know you're working with these professionals. Um, and yeah. I, and I'm sure a lot of guys you know maybe listening out there that have I certainly have myself where I've cut corners and it's come back to bite me on the arse. And yeah. uh, believe me, you you regret not just forking out the extra whatever five percent yeah. or whatever. Well, I say <laughs> some people might say buy cheap, buy twice. Well, good saying. Yeah, another another good saying. I, I completely certainly when it comes to property investment, I, I couldn't agree more. That's you know, ne never true. And and as you you touched on a point right at the start, you talked about paper paper values or paper numbers. You you know, in my my line of work, it's particular when you're looking at you know investment cases on things, and you see these you know these numbers on paper. Um, they're they're on paper for a reason. You know, when it when it comes to the real you know the real world, you see you see some crazy stuff going around. You know, fifteen percent mm. ROIs and stuff like that. You know, and it's just like yeah, that's great, but you know. Let's let's actually see that. Um, <laughs> let's actually see that yeah. in real life, you know. Um, yeah. But but no, I mean, from from your end of things, then Mark, what what's next? What's next? Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm 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 planning on carrying on effectively as I am mm. until I decide to retire. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm I'm in my mid fifties now. Um. My retirement plan seems to be to retire to the Philippines. Yep. Um, my only tie at the moment back to the UK is 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 my mother, mm -hmm. um, and and that that's basically it. the The business, the or the property business at least, will will carry on 
as it is, we'll we'll carry on reducing the 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 mortgages and finance that I have on the properties until until they are all owned outright. Although at the moment, I am considering buying buying another one because there's a there's a certain amount of cash in the in the bank because I do do my reviews at, over Christmas um, when I normally go back to the UK. And I can and I can sit with the various people and talk about where we are financially, and 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 look at possible opportunities with with the estate agent that I use to manage the properties. So, yep, I might get another one. I might not. I really don't don't know. But say the long term plan is is to effectively carry on with what I'm doing, slowly slowly grow grow things with with the money that I don't I don't need. There you go. Yeah. It sounds it sounds fantastic, and I'm sure you'll 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 ex- mm-hmm. execute upon that, uh, no problem. And and this machine that you've built, Mark, will uh, <laughs> will continue to grow. Well, it, but say it's it, it's all it's never really been planned since since the beginning. As <laughs> I said, I've that, been huge, hugely lucky in yeah. the fact that things things have fallen into place. Um, it has been scary at times when when there's a a property crash mm. you look at your portfolio and you see it on paper lose its like 30 40% of the value overnight could be yeah. um but then whenever i'm talking to people about what a house is worth um i tend to look at it like a lift it bounces up and down all the time generally over a long period of time it tends to be going going up, yep. but um, it can go down, and you have to be quite lucky to make profit on buying and selling. You uh, and Absolutely. you have to be able to sell it and live somewhere else. Yeah, because many people say, "Oh, I've made twenty thousand on my house," and it's like, "Yeah, but you can only realize it if you sell a house and go live in a tent. <laughs> you have to live somewhere." And, yeah. and house prices, unless you're migrating across the planet or something, house prices tend to go up and down on a par. Yep. Normally, one sector doesn't normally um, increase hugely more than, than any other sector. So, mm-hmm. yes, you will, as your equity grows over time, probably end up in a better house. But as far as it as as it as you making money on it. Only paper money. Yeah, and I, I think you, you know you touched on something quite important there—the fact that you know even if we, you, you know, chances are if you're in property for the long for the long haul, which you know pretty much everyone, uh, you know, I encourage everyone I talk to and work with to, to be, you know, it's not it's not get rich quick, um, and going in and in and out of transactions like you, you you're going to lose you know three to five percent on you know legal fees and costs and yep. stuff when you're when you're doing that anyway, so. It's not really efficient, um, but when you you hold property for the long term, you know, and if if what you know the end of the world, so, you know, something that you pretty much experienced in property terms in two thousand, hmm. you know, twice, eight, you know, exactly, yeah, twice, exactly, going back even further. Um, as long as your properties are cash flowing, you know, as long as they're not costing you a ridiculous amount, as long as you can still service your your you know your bills, your mortgages and stuff, yeah. really. As you rightly say, it, it means nothing through that period, you know, unless you were trying to sell or something. But yeah, you know, as long as you can cash flow them, um, you know, you just wait, don't you? You just hold. Yeah. Well, you just I, hold. I've I've now got a rule where I, I won't go below sixty percent equity in the yep. properties yep. to effectively isolate myself from any any huge impacts in the in the property market. So mm-hmm. I won't really experience the the negative equity or or issues with low rents mm, making me unable to service any any loans that my I may have leveraged. Now that was definitely not the case in the beginning. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. And sometimes and sometimes I I have pushed pushed the boundaries. Let's say yep. when uh, when when doing finance to finance new. So Correct. yes, don't 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 have the feeling that it's been easy sailing 
because sometimes it has been a little bit of a of a white knuckle ride. But yeah. I decided that the risk the risk was worth the reward. Probably probably the biggest one was when I did the flats. Yeah. That was a huge change when I had the opportunity to refurbish the, the house into twenty one flats. Mm-hmm. Um and say I literally had to mortgage everything to the <laughs> to the bone to <laughs> enable me to get to get the collateral to to do the uh, refurbishment properly. But yeah. It's it's worked. It paid off. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the thing. But, like we... but it could have gone the other way so so easily. Yeah, but like, listen, if anyone would have put, you know, listen, it could happen to anyone. You hear about people making, you know, big mistakes like that. The, what I think was quite interesting, the fact that you said, look, in the early days when I was starting out, you know, yes, we, we were more aggressive because you, you don't have the the luxury of sitting on loads of equity and loads of cash flow, right? Like like you do yeah. nowadays. So oh, yeah. when, when you're building, like, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking on, you know, seventy percent or so. Um, you know, as long as you're not going into the, you know, nineties, you know, eighties and nineties. You know, as long as you're sensible. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking on more than what Mark has. You know, Mark has forty percent loan to value, which is, you know, by by any bank's stretch of the imagination, is ridiculously I, I do, low. I do now. I do now. But yeah. when I when I did when I did the flats, I mortgaged every. I, I mortgaged all my properties to ninety percent. <laughs> and I also, I also had a self. I also managed to get a to get a further financing as I was developing the properties. So, so over hundred percent. So as I said, uh, I was I was mortgaged out to the hilt. <laughs> yeah, but I, it, was, I, like... it was it, it was definitely white knuckle time. <laughs> definitely not recommended. But I mean, you know, you've no. you you live to tell the tale. Um, yeah. And then. And I think it, it's, it's it makes for a great story, anyway, mate. Um, yeah. But I mean, what, well, and, what... and 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 the other thing to remember is I've been a bachelor. I've never been married. Correct. So, whereas other people, they may be in families, so it's not good just point. them that they have to consider. Yeah, good point. Um, it it possibly enables me to take bigger risks. Yeah, that's a great point. Because actually. if it if it all comes tumbling down, I've only got myself to look after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's a good point, and I think that's why, you know, you are you are a good example of you know, you know, going after it yourself like that, and and not having you know the families or whatever, um, you know that that might have been uh, slightly pissed off should it all have went you know fits up, is <laughs> is well, is allowed you to 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 do that. Yeah. Um, when we when we. When the family of four suddenly ends up in a in a in a one bed bed sit somewhere, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> <In> a studio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one one last thing, just in closing, mate. I'm conscious. I'm conscious of your time. You've been you've been you've been excellent. Um, what what's the what's the piece of advice you would give someone that's maybe you know been an expat for a, for a couple of years and is looking to you know, invest in property rather than go down the, you know, financial route, they want to, to get some bricks and mortar, build up a portfolio. What 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 advice would you would you give said person? Um the advice I would give is definitely give it a go. Um be reasonable with your expectations. Mm. Um try not to be greedy. It, it's very, very easy and people and, and people will push you down down the route of down the route of trying to maximize everything um, and say, just, just be reasonable and accept that there is going to be pluses and minuses. Yeah. Um, yep. It's not going to be smooth, smooth sailing. It's going to require quite a lot of work from you initially, at least to, to set things up and get things moving. But ultimately I think it's definitely worth worthwhile, um, particularly when you're comparing it to more traditional financial products savings, yep. because to me they they're they're appalling at, mm. at the moment. Um, I think most of the interest rates that I'm seeing at the moment is, is actually far less than inflation. Yep. And it was really funny. My mother's bank manager over Christmas told her to spend her savings because they're basically going backwards. Yeah, it's it's crazy that isn't it? it really is. Um, yeah. 
so, so, so there you have it then. Be be reasonable. Don't be greedy. But ultimately, getting about it because you know it pretty much tops tops everything else out there. I've um, I've never lost on bricks and mortar. Yep. I've lost elsewhere. Yeah, love it. Couldn't couldn't agree more, mate. Um, well, yeah, thank you very much, Mark. Um, no I've, I've enjoyed this for my first um, podcast and experience. It's been a it's been a I good. Hope, I hope I hope everyone's not falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when it goes out live, mate. We'll see what the reviews are. If we're getting slaughtered, then um, it could be a one hit and quit um, for us. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll we'll shut up shop, mate. But um, yeah, no. Listen, mate. Very much appreciate your time as always. No um, problem. I'll, I'll I'll make sure to to um, give you a show when it's when it's going out there. And uh, yeah, hopefully at some point in the future, mate, we we might work together. But I'm sure we'll get another podcast in uh, in a couple of years' time. See where you're at. No problem, Ryan. Excellent. All right, Mark. Thanks a lot, pal. Take care, mate. Good night. Bye-bye. Cheers, buddy. Good night.